Takes over. Smith comes out to the neutral zone. Deals right. Marshall fires. He scores! Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Smith to Marshall. Four to two Golden Knights. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in to Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports, Las Vegas. Millard and Wallace here at T-Mobile Arena. Chris Chapman back inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports, Las Vegas studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the... Sneaking up on this 6 o'clock face-off in Game 5 of the Stanley Cup semifinal between the Vegas Golden Knights and the Montreal Canadiens. The winner of the game tonight will be one victory from advancing to the Stanley Cup final. That is some heavy stakes pinning on the win or the loss. You either face elimination or you're one win away from uh, the championship series. And there's a whole lot to get to over the next hour on the VGK Insider Show before we hand things off to the pregame show with Ryan Wallace, Gary Lawless, and Dan Duva had to call just after 6 o'clock. Some storylines that we're following. Goaltending tonight for the Golden Knights. Who will oppose Carey Price? Chandler Stevenson was spotted at the morning skate. First time we've seen the center iceman for a while. The power play for the Vegas Golden Knights has not scored since game two uh, against the Colorado Avalanche. And then you get into some sort of things flying just under the radar, under the surface. Uh, The first periods at T-Mobile Arena were not great in games Mm -hmm. one and two. Looks like they've rectified those and made some progress on that front. And Let's start with just the casualness of the Vegas Golden Knights. <laughs> I've been impressed and at times said they're almost, they're almost too relaxed. But what I saw this morning at the morning skate at City National Arena, Alex Petrangelo, Jonathan Marchessault out there working on their sticks in skates mm-hmm. and shorts. Yep. Bare legs. I've... I've I've seen players go out there and do that at times. Never like on the ice with players coming on for a full morning <laughs> skate, though. And uh, I, I thought it just it it, it oozed uh, and reflected a team that's very comfortable where they are right now. Yeah, I, I think it's absolutely a team that's that's comfortable and, and confident, and they they know where they're at within the series. They understand what the opportunity is in front of them here in Game Five. Um, but I mean, like, let's face it: when you're as as hot as Alex Petrangelo has been. You got to cool off somehow, yeah. and you, you 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 don't necessarily throw on the full kit for a morning skate. I thought it was fantastic, uh, and I'm not even sure what you're doing in the old uh, <laughs> in the pre-composite stick era. You would go out and work on your sticks a little bit, and you you test that out. Well, composite sticks they're basically the same one to the other. You'll get the odd bad batch, but uh, primarily. They're all the same. Uh, maybe you're working on your skates. You just got them done, but that's pretty consistent. We, we know that. Or they just felt like going out and doing something different, which is my final guess and my final answer with uh, with Marcioso and Petrangelo. It was funny watching uh, Petrangelo tee up Marcioso for the one-timers and just going through it. So uh, I think it, um, it gives you uh, some positive feeling about just where 
and, and how this team feels about themselves, taking advantage of what uh, was, a, was a positive result out of a game that they didn't have their best stuff in in the fourth game of this series. And now they're all even. It's a best of three. And, and you'd like to say that, that a team that had, uh, I don't know, 29 more points than the uh, the Montreal Canadiens during the regular season, I'll have to check my map on that, uh, would, would be the favorite in a best of three. Yeah, I, I firmly believe that. And, and I still look at this series as uh, a series that the Golden Knights should win. But, you know, you got to give credit to the Montreal Canadiens for, for making it a muddy track. And, and they played a really, really good game in game number four, didn't get the result. And I think for the Golden Knights, getting out of Montreal with the split, coming back home for game five in a tied series. Uh, if, if you're looking for the best possible 60 minutes from the Golden Knights, I think this is the game where they deliver that. Uh, 23 more points. Uh, I knew that I had that uh, slightly off, but 23 points separated these two teams during the regular season. Montreal has done a great job. Montreal was built for this time of the season where things get uh, a little nasty things get uh, a little more contentious uh let's let's put it the way that you you absolutely have to if this was the north division regular season you'd have a lot more penalties if the hockey was played this way mm -hmm. and i don't want to go down the referating uh rabbit hole because uh, all that does is get you into all kinds of trouble there's a there <laughs> because there's a real sense from the montreal canadians fan base that the Vegas Golden Knights are getting a, uh, a majority of the calls and getting away with a lot of the non-calls. Uh, I don't think that it's been significant uh, in in any way, but uh, but that's that's the way that they're uh, uh, they choose to to focus on it. Uh, but this is uh, this is definitely a more physical style than the regular season, and the Montreal Canadiens, with their size, with Josh Anderson, and certainly uh, with their back end, with their four defensemen that they primarily play, are are suited for this style than they were during that regular season against Toronto and Edmonton. Yeah, and and I mean, I, as far as the penalty stuff goes, I'm, I'm with you. I'm not going to touch that today. But I don't know that the, the Montreal Canadiens have really shied away from, from any of the physicality in no. the series. You look at the game four, they were by far the more physical team. They certainly check well, and they're not afraid to take the body in key situations. So I, I, you know, I, it's not really a surprise to me that Montreal is here based on how they're built and how they play. Uh, and for the Golden Knights, again, it's, it's now in a situation where – you have a best of three and you've got to get yourself off to the best possible start in that best of three as possible. And that means having a good, strong first period here in game five. So let's go there. The first periods in games one and two were not what Pete DeBoer wanted. Game three was a different story. And it was not just the first, but it was the, the entire game uh, for the regulation portion where the Golden Knights were the much stronger team. Uh, didn't win that game, uh, and, but, uh, but I think you could uh, certainly say that the, the, that was the best game uh, of the four for the Vegas Golden Knights. Can they bring some of that into this game tonight? Can they find some confidence and carry that over? So Montreal was, was outplayed in game three, but mm -hmm. won the game in overtime. Yep. And that momentum or that confidence carried over to game four mm -hmm. because Montreal played its best game in game four. Yeah. Uh, Vegas found a way to 
even the series in that one. And dodge defeat, if, if you want to uh, phrase it that way. Now, can Vegas do the exact same thing? Can they carry over that confidence and that good feeling? It looked like there was some good feelings this morning mm-hmm. uh, at the morning skate. Uh, and that's, that's the part that I'm wondering. Will, will that confidence, will that swagger be back uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights in the first period. Yeah, I, I think that you look at the start of this game and, and it's incredibly important for the Golden Knights and you know, one where if you can kind of get to your game early and, and if, if, even if it's taking the momentum from what you were able to do in game four, coming up with a big goal from Braden McNabb, Nick Waugh making a great play, if you can kind of utilize that confidence, uh, that resiliency, that we've seen all year from the Golden Knights, and you can kind of distill that into the first 10 minutes of this game and kind of take control at that point, then I, I really I really think the Golden Knights can kind of have that propel them the rest of the way. But the start's going to be key for me in terms of this game and, and what the Golden Knights are able to do in the first 10 minutes being an indicator of what they're going to do the rest of the game. Will the return of Chandler Stevenson help that? Yes. He yes. took the morning skate today. First time we've seen him since uh, game number one. Yep. Uh, we weren't even sure, or I'm still not sure, whether he was even in Montreal uh, for games three and four. But I saw him with my own eyes this morning. He looked good, and he went from uh, being on the horizon yesterday uh-huh. to a game-time decision from Pete DeBoer this morning. Do you think we see him tonight? You know, I'm going to go out on a limb and say yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that if, you know, if, if Chandler Stevenson wasn't that close to going, I don't think we see him this morning. I, I think maybe he skates on his own. But I, I just have kind of a feeling that based on on the horizon, based on the fact that we saw Chandler Stevenson participate today, I think he goes for the Golden Knights. And, and for me, that is not an insignificant roster addition he makes that top line something special and for the golden knights they've missed that at points throughout this series there's so much cloak and dagger stuff going on (laughs) that part of me wants to think we see chandler stevenson is that just to throw everybody including montreal off Mm -hmm. or because we see Chandler Stevenson, and they, if they didn't want us to see him, then they could they could make him skate prior to or after the uh, the, the public workout, and uh, and we wouldn't have to go through this. So I'm with you. I think he plays tonight. Yeah. The last time that Chandler Stevenson missed ice time and uh, and game action was when he was suspended for three games. And that coincided, I think we talked about this uh, a little bit yesterday, uh, with the dip or the flat spot in Pacioretty and Mark Stone. Yeah. One thing that came out of that was, now that was a suspension. There wasn't any injury here. But uh, so there's, take that with a bit of grain of salt. Uh, When Chandler Stevenson returned, it was Max Pacioretty who said he was shot out of a rocket ship. Yes. He had all kinds of jumps. I don't know what the the ailment was that kept Chandler Stevenson out of games two, three, and four. But returning, knowing that Stone and Pacioretty are, again, in one of those little flat spots, I think that the even if he's not 100%, and even if he isn't shot out of a rocket ship, what you get from the great 
good feelings from Stone and Pacioretty having their centerman with with them mm-hmm. uh, elevates the entire lineup and, and confidence to do some do some things with the puck. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's a couple of things here. When it comes to Chandler Stevenson, it's speed, of course, that he brings to the table that, that helps that line, but it's also a chemistry with Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty, an understanding of where each guy is going to be on the ice. That familiarity is something that has been missing for Pacioretty and Stone in trying different guys out at center. Then you've got the the factor of having a third line of Matthias Janmark, Nick Waugh, and Alex Tuck, which at times throughout this playoff run when they've been together have been very, very good, incredibly uh, good in uh, through the neutral zone, in the offensive zone, and getting some great looks. And then lastly, you are adding Chandler Stevenson back to the lineup while also having Tomas Nosek available, right? Yeah. So now your fourth line by virtue of Nosek being back, improves too. So it's it's a win-win for the Golden Knights should they get Chandler Stevenson back tonight. But as you've mentioned, cloak and dagger, what do we really know? Not much. Like, we can kind of assume that Chandler Stevenson goes tonight. But I still think even if he doesn't, the Golden Knights are talented enough. They are deep enough to win this game. And we can only base our opinions off of what we see. Yeah. And I anticipate that we will will see Chandler Stevenson play tonight. That'll help out special teams. Uh, that may change uh, what Pete DeBoer can do uh, on a second power play unit. Uh, that's uh, sort of the trickle down. But I, I think it's important to note, if, if you're looking at this conversation or listening to this conversation and you're not a, a tried and true Vegas Golden Knight fan, you don't follow the team as much as, as we do or or you listening, uh, driving into the game right now, uh, are up to date on it. You go, why is there so much talk about a player who doesn't have a goal in the Stanley Cup playoffs? <laughs> what What's the big deal? It is this really the player that makes or breaks the Vegas Golden Knights' offensive attack? No, he doesn't make or break, but... You may not get all the points or the points per game out of Chandler Stevenson or five, six goals uh, so far in the Stanley Cup playoffs. You don't get that. But what you do get when he's playing with Stone and Pacioretty is that increased production and uh, career years out of Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty. And the what, what you don't get out of, of, of Stevenson – you get in bunches from the two big wingers, and that's the payoff. Yeah, it gives you an opportunity to get more out of Pacioretty and Stone, and it gives you winning shifts, right? Like, it gives you the ability to create offense, to put the other team into a mode where they've got to defend, and then once you're able to kind of get that shift going, you're able to build on that, the next shift and the next shift and the next shift, and then everything kind of snowballs in terms of the Golden Knights playing in the offensive zone, for long periods of time and then capitalizing on mistakes. And no fiddling around with any of the other lines. You talked about Tuck being back with Janmark. Yeah. Like, there's none of that. There's no questions about is it going to be Nosek? Is it going to be Tuck? Is it going to be Janmark? Is it going to be Kolasar? You're not going period to period waiting or hoping that something clicks. Those are your lines. Yeah. They'll be the lines if Chandler Stevenson plays. So there's continuity. And there's an ability uh, for the athletes 
to settle into some kind of rhythm that they haven't had since game number one, which just so happened to be, by the way, the best game of the series for the Vegas Golden Knights uh, when it comes to goal scoring and uh, and being able to carry the, the play of the series. You know, it's another thing to point out, too, that this entire run for the Golden Knights, they have had key players missing at various times. You start the playoffs without Max Pacioretty. You're without Braden McNabb for a little while. Now you're without Chandler Stevenson. Like, this is a team that is as dealt with that type of adversity throughout this entire playoff run. But the word that you that you used in terms of, of being able to, to stick with consistency and have those lines be the way that I think Pete DeBoer expected or hoped them to be this entire playoff run, uh, it, it might allow the Golden Knights to just kind of settle into the roles that everybody had designed for them and go out and play. So that takes us to Tuck, who has bounced uh, between the top line and his own line. And he's in one of those flat spots right now. Probably because... One, the checking and the intensity is uh, is elevated significantly, so that's going to make uh, scoring goals uh, a lot more of a challenge. But bouncing back and forth between center and wing uh, also has uh, has its drawbacks, and it, he, he would love the opportunity to play with Stone and, and Pacioretty again. But going back and playing with Nick Waugh and Matthias Janmark, I think offers Alex Tuck the opportunity now to get going a little bit, knowing exactly where he's going to be and just uh, mentally more of a comfort zone. Stevenson's important because Stevenson brings out the best in Pacioretty and Stone. Tuck is important because now he plays with Yanmark and will be comfortable in that spot and knowing what he gets as far as matchups, what he gets as ice time, who he's going to be playing with, uh, and the expectations of him. And if you think that you can get away with winning this series without significant production from Stone and Pacioretty, I'd say you're, you're going to be in tough there. But I'll throw Alex Tuck into that mix, that, that you need something out of Tuck, Pacioretty, and Stone. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. You look at Alex Tuck, he's got two assists so far in the series. Same thing with Max Pacioretty. And, you know, the play to T.S. Yanmark in game number one, that was a, a big play from Alex Tuck. But, you know, outside of that, he's had some really good looks. Carey Price has made yeah. some phenomenal saves. But you're you're right, just in terms of, of this series, and you look at some of the plays that Alex Tuck has had, those pucks go in. We're looking at a completely yeah. different series. So in terms of the, the scoring chances that he's getting, it's great that they're there, but the production has to start to come. He's got to start executing on the opportunities that he gets. Boy, his, his reaction after Nick Waugh scored the overtime goal in Game 4, and then when Montreal didn't clear their bench right away and the referees <laughs> were looking at the uh the tablet and just uh going over things yeah and uh and w what his heart must have been going through because he was closest to the net uh outside of nick Watt and <laughs> wondering whether or not there was uh, any contact or any type of foul that could have been uh, uh called to to call that goal back uh i think relief uh, was probably the big the, the euphoria of of the celebration and then just the relief, knowing that the goal was going to stand. Um, what a what a wild road trip uh, for Alex Tuck. But to be able to get him going again and being able to convert, I mean, he had that marvelous opportunity in Game 3 mm -hmm. yeah. that Carey Price came across and, and made the left pad save. 
uh, and and denied uh, Tuck off the Patriotic feet. Like, good, great play, awesome play. But again, those those are your your big goal scorers, Stone, Patriotic, and Tuck. Got to get them going. So then, what's your expectation out of Mark Stone tonight? I think Mark Stone with Chandler Stevenson will be a much more noticeable offensive player. Mm -hmm. I I think that he's still been really good in the neutral zone. I think he's been uh, one of the better players, actually, in the neutral zone to be able to uh, control the pace and be able to slide uh, away from checks and be able to change the pace uh, of the rush where there's very little room in this series. Uh, I've also uh, appreciated his defensive play and, and what he's been able to do. Like, Vegas has, has, for all the talk about goal scoring in this uh, series, defensively, they haven't given up much. No. Leonard, Leonard was great in game, game four. Game three, Vegas was the much better team. And for two of the three periods in games one and two, Vegas was the better team. They haven't given up a lot. But Stone hasn't been as involved offensively in this series as we're used to. And I think that changes big time tonight with Chandler Stevenson in the line. Like Stevenson being able to rush the puck and, uh, and take it wide and the option of dropping it to Stone or Pacioretty or taking it around the net and bumping it out, like it just it creates so much more uh, uh, challenge for the Montreal defenders, and thus it creates space for those two players to slide into. And, and I think that Stone, with his brilliant mind, and being able to read and anticipate plays is is going to be a, one of those players that uh, that is going to capitalize or will be able to capitalize with Chandler Stevenson's return. Yeah, my expectation out of Mark Stone tonight is is that he finds a way to get his first point in the series. I, mm-hmm. I don't it, whether or not he scores, whether or not he's setting things up. I just think that in terms of production in this series. From Mark Stone, from Max Pacioretty, you talk about Alex Tuck. I'd throw Jonathan Marcheseau in there as well. Like Those are the guys that I think need to kind of show up in this game because this is a huge one, right? Like this is, this is a pivotal, pivotal game for the Golden Knights. You don't want to have to go back to Montreal facing elimination, facing the task of having to win the next two games in the series. So you're going to need production from everybody, and, and that starts with the guys that, that you expect it from. So then that takes us to the power play. Like, that's the the capper on this whole first segment. Yeah. Uh, when you talk about the goaltenders and uh, Chandler and power play and Tuck and first period, it all kind of comes together. The power play can change the dynamics of the game. And with all the talk about officiating over the last few days, I think there's a better than average chance that we get one of those four power plays to three power play games. <laughs> and really, that's where you're at. Yeah, I, yeah. I think that there's an influence. I think there's a certainly uh, between you. I see the the, the series supervisor Don Van Massenhoven. Uh, we get a chance to talk. Uh, he doesn't share with me the intricate details uh, of what's happening, but I know that uh, between uh, Kelly McCrimmon on Zoom and uh, Mark Bergevin uh, and the, the coaching staffs, uh, they're they're talking to him about what they what they see and what they would like to uh, to see changed or tweaked during the series. And uh, the by and large, 
mandate uh, coming out of uh, the Montreal Canadiens side from the fans and the organization is uh, they think that, that Vegas is getting away with more. And so will we see more power plays? If that happens, I think Vegas still gets their handful. Mm-hmm. I don't think one team's going to benefit over the other. It's just whether you're going to see more of those power plays. If there's more power plays, then the Vegas man advantage unit has to find a way to score in this series. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. It's a matter of finding one. And, and it's not so much really that, that I care how it happens, whether it's, it's a new type of, uh, whether it's a new type of setup or whether you just get the puck to the front of the net and you take advantage of that, that mismatch there. The Golden Knights power play has to come through for them in this series. It just does because like, and I'm, I'm not that, that guy that says you have to be at 15% or 20%. But when you have key moments, either within a game or within a series, and you get an opportunity with the man advantage, that's when you've got to find a way to break through. It's just the opportunity. Yeah. You've got more players than the other team, yeah. and you're knocking on the door, and it's not just to be able to get through the next two minutes without any pressure. It's to take advantage of it. And they call it a power play for a reason, and you're going against one of the best goaltenders uh, who's on his game right now in Carey Price. You have to use it to your advantage. Uh, I think back to that beautiful feed from Shea Theodore uh, in game number one and the, the fake and sliding it over. That's the kind of thing that you need to do. You need to generate more movement. And side to side and seam pass or whatever what terminology you want to use, uh, it's motion. And we haven't seen enough motion. And the players know it. Yeah. But you get out there, and Montreal's defending, and Montreal's taking away that seam, and they're taking away that they, – they take away the bumper spot mm-hmm. as, as good as anybody that I've seen in the playoffs. They shut down Winnipeg. Winnipeg was really good yeah. uh, in that position. Didn't have Shifley, but uh, they, that still, uh, they were able to do it. So you have to find other ways to win uh, and, and score. That, that, uh, that play that Mark Stone usually makes uh, off the side of the post, and yeah. either he slides it across or he wraps it around, that hasn't been there. Uh, uh, he's been uh, up on the, uh, the sidewall. I wouldn't be surprised where they have had success, and Stone hasn't got credit for it points-wise, is stone with some net front presence. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wouldn't be shocked at all if they went to more of that alignment with their manner advantage, uh, a.k.a. to the to the midway point of the year where Pacioretty told Stone, just go to the front <laughs> and you got to trust me, I won't hit you. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they went uh, a little bit along uh, that type of uh, approach tonight. And I don't, like, I don't mind that because we know – Mark Stone's hands in tight. We know what he can do. So if there's a rebound, he is he is absolutely the type of player that can pick it up and make something happen down low. Uh, he's got great hand-eye coordination. We we see it every single time in a game where he strips somebody from the uh, of the puck. So I don't mind Mark Stone in that spot if that's kind of where you go. Uh, but at the same time, when he's there, you're taking the puck out of Mark Stone's hands. Yeah. And, and you're taking it away from his vision, his ability to find those seams and find those plays backdoor. So, um, again, it doesn't really matter how, just that they convert, just that they find a way to get it done. So here's something to watch for tonight on the power play. If Stone goes to the front of the net, mm-hmm. you're, you're driving in the rink right now, and you're coming into the game, I want you to see on the power play for the Vegas Golden Knights, Mark Stone, does he go in front of Carey Price? And if he does... He uses that super long stick. Shea Theodore and Alex Petrangelo are two of the best sifters 
that I've ever seen. Yeah. Being able to just slide that wrist shot through towards the net. Montreal clamps that down. They, they, they pack the middle. With Stone having that long stick to either go left or right and be able to tip it in, you can have a, an opportunity where Petrangelo shoots a foot wide. Nick Holden's done it yep. in these playoffs. Where you shoot a foot or two wide, but he's got that big reach that he can reach out and tip it. If he doesn't tip it, it goes off the boards and comes out the other side. Mm-hmm. But that's an area that I'll be zeroed in on if, if I see Stone in front of the net, if they try that. Maybe not trying to get the puck on net from the point, but shooting a little bit wider of the pack and allowing Stone to use that big reach and that hand-eye coordination to his advantage. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a tactic that, you know, given, given where the Golden Knights are at in, in their power play, I think it's a tactic that can work. Mm-hmm. But try it out. Let's see what happens. Uh, what will happen on the goaltending front? We've saved the best for segment number two. Robin Leonard and Marc-Andre Fleury put on a show this morning at the morning skate at City National Arena. We'll bring you up to date on that and give you an idea of what to expect tonight in Game 5. The winner takes a 3-2 series lead from T-Mobile Arena. This is the VGK Insider Show, live on Fox Sports Las Vegas. I'm Alex Petrangelo of the NHL. Our family's not just a hockey family. We're a Honda family. Uh, yeah, I have seen it. Uh, it's been played pretty regularly in the NHL playoffs here, but uh, I'm sure glad he chose hockey. Uh, yeah, his acting looks pretty forced. Honda, official vehicle of the NHL. Inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studio. Hey, uh, Alex Petrangelo uh, getting a couple of uh, digs from his uh, teammates. I thought his acting was pretty good in it, uh, to be I, quite honest. Can I just say that's the greatest contribution to the show that Chris Chapman's ever made? Yeah, it was very yeah, well done. It was a surprise. I like legitimately thought it was a, just a regular commercial. And then all of a sudden you throw Nick Holden in there. Well done, Chapman. You, yeah. don't, you don't get enough props. Be, well, it's kind of your own fault, but <laughs> yeah, props on that one. <laughs> well, that was good. And, and credit to David Shane for asking that question because it was, it was really funny. It kind of lightened the mood a little bit. What I like is that it's his full-on family uh, in the commercial. Somebody apparently did ask him, uh, <laughs> who's in the commercial? He's like, my wife, my kids. <laughs> like, who, who else would it be? Yeah, Derek Englund. Uh, Derek Englund, uh, the same thing in uh, his commercial. So uh, getting it done with Alex Petrangelo, who will stand in front of a goaltender tonight. <laughs> will it uh, be yes. Mark andre Fleury? Will it be Robin Leonard? Uh, Logan Thompson, I'm confident will not be the netminder of ah, uh, of choice come on first goalie uh, off the ice from uh, from from pete DeBoer. yeah give again robin leonard uh, is having some fun with this stuff he was yelling at logan thompson to be the first off the ice at the yeah. morning skate today uh but it was uh, of the two goaltenders that we expect to play uh and dress tonight for the vegas golden knights it was mark andre Fleury who went through the starters routine and left uh, a little bit uh, sooner than robin leonard uh, I'll, I'll admit, I thought it was going to be Leonard coming off the win in Montreal in Game 4. Uh, Pete DeBoer has a way of uh, keeping you and everybody uh, on their toes. Uh, but I think back to a year ago in the bubble when Marc-Andre Fleury got the start in Game 1 of the Western Conference Final against Dallas. Played really well. They lost mm-hmm. the game, but played really well. And 
wondered whether or not it would be Flurry earning another start or whether it was just an opportunity to give uh, Robin Leonard a break. Ended up being the latter. And is this the same situation or as Gary Lawless mused this morning on the uh, on the stream at City National Arena, could we be in for option number three? And that's a rotation the rest of the way. I don't I'd love to tell you, folks. <laughs> I, I really would, and I know I get paid to be able to tell you things. I don't have a clue on this one. Which which direction they're going to go other than it'll be Marc Andre Fleury tonight. Yeah, so I mean, I would love to see the rotation make a return just because that's unique. It's different. And and I do think that there is merit to the way the rotation worked for Marc-Andre Fleury in terms of being fresh in the regular season. But again, the stakes are incredibly high right now. And, you know, traditionally speaking, you have your guy and you ride that guy. Now, what, what you gained, in my opinion, from game four is an understanding that when called upon, Robin Leonard's going to do exactly what you need him to do, and that's come in and be 100% solid and could even steal you a game. And I think having that in your back pocket if you're Pete DeBoer gives you so many other options. And I like the idea of going back to Marc-Andre Fleury tonight. I would have liked the idea of starting Robin Leonard because I think he earned himself another start. But... The fact that both goaltenders, right now, you have confidence in their ability to go out there and perform, it gives Pete DeBoer kind of a, 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 that luxury we've been talking about all year long. doesn't matter. And I say that it, not, not tongue-in-cheek, yeah. but yeah. absolute serious. Does it matter? Like, are you, I've heard the argument, you know, you're taking a chance if you, if you start Robin Leonard. Are you not taking a chance if you start Marc Andre Fleury? I think you, you don't, you, there's no guarantee that Marc Andre Fleury is going to play lights out. There's no guarantee that Robin Leonard is going to play lights out. But they're two of the best goaltenders in in the National Hockey League, and I I don't think that you're there's any risk when you start one guy instead of the other. I don't think there's any any bigger risk one way or another if I, if I'm being completely honest like I think that you've got two guys that you believe in uh, two guys that over the course of their career both in the regular season and the playoffs have kind of a baseline and you expect them to play to that baseline or maybe a little bit better mm-hmm. and you're confident with what that baseline is that if you get that performance you can win a hockey game but for me in terms of of the goaltending it's it's always kind of been an issue that I, I put really low on the priority list because I think both goaltenders are great and you know what you're going to get with them. It's always going to come down to an ability to score. It's always going to be, can the Golden Knights get to three? Can they be the first team to get to three goals? Because if they do, more often than not, they're going to win the game because that's how good their goaltending has been. And it's old school thinking. We, we have trouble getting our heads around. Uh, me, you, the hockey world in general. When you're in the Stanley Cup playoffs... You play the hot hand. You certainly don't change after a win. That's just not the way it's ever happened. That's the way it's happening here. Yeah. And why is it happening here? Well, it's not because there's anything against Robin Leonard. It's using that as a strength. And it's it's very different 
it's unprecedented. So to you, you almost have to take a step back and look at numbers, look at uh, at performances, and go, okay, is there anything different between statistically mm-hmm. in starting and throw out the Colorado game, yeah. but statistically in starting Mark Andre Fleury over Robin Leonard? No, no discernible difference. So you're basically getting the same potential performance, mm-hmm. yeah. except it's a different human being. Yeah. is That's the best way I can describe it. Now, in terms of the rotation, because that piques my interest, I think that's mm. really interesting. And I'm not necessarily saying it's a rotation that I would expect to continue should the Golden Knights win this round. But how much does travel play into that? I would think a little bit. Yeah. Are you spending five hours on an airplane going back? Then five hours in an airplane returning to, to Las Vegas. Uh, yeah, I would, I would, I would think a, a somewhat yeah. uh, of, of a fatigue factor. And the other part of it too is, you have the option of starting the same statistical foundation, but a, but a fresher athlete against somebody at the other end who's starting every game. And being and I'm, like, there's nothing to say Carey Price can't do it. Sure. Just look at what we're witnessing. It, it has. But there's got to be some kind of advantage to being able to do what Pete DeBoer is doing. I'm on record. I said it at the start of the segment that I thought Robin Leonard was going to start tonight. Yeah. But I understand totally why he would go back to Marc-Andre Fleury tonight. And I would understand totally why he would go to Robin Leonard in game six on Thursday. It's yeah. just it's just different. I in terms of in terms of where I'm at, in terms of your initial question, um, is it a risk? Does it matter? Honestly, I when I look at these two goalies, I don't think it does. And that's not to discount them in any way, shape or form. It's because they're both so good that there's really not much difference between what you're actually going to get in terms of results on the ice both guys are so close statistically over the course of their no. career that you feel pretty confident that if, 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 if it's Robin Leonard or if it's Marc-Andre Fleury, we score three, we win. And and that's where, that's where Pete DeBoer does have a luxury in terms of this series because if you can get two less starts for Marc-Andre Fleury and you know in a game seven, whichever goalie you go to is going to be fresher than Carey Price, mm. that's, that's a win already going into that situation. I'm going to finish it off this way. Robin Leonard's performance in Game 4 to even up this series against the Montreal Canadiens with the, the Golden Knights coming back and winning that game in overtime and not starting tonight may be the only situation of its kind in history where Leonard doesn't get another start. But that plays and is, is credited to Marc-Andre Fleury and where his game is at and the advantage of having two goaltenders. Like with, with two Jennings trophies mm-hmm. and a five-year contract, Robin Leonard, 99 out of 100 or 999 out of 1,000 would get the next start. You might even be able to bring that out to 100,000 or a million. Right. It's crazy. But 
it'll be Mark tonight, and I can't even find a way to say that there's even a question in doing it. It's it's using pieces to your potential advantage. No, it's not a guarantee. Nope. But I get it. And how about Pete DeBoer having the confidence to do it, right? Like how about yeah. Pete just saying, you know what, it would be easy to be status quo here. But he hasn't been, and it has worked nearly every time he has made a bold decision throughout these playoffs. Because you have two number ones. Yeah. Montreal puts more money into goaltending than Vegas does Yeah, right now. Yep. But but it's one and two yep. with Jake Allen. Yep. And Jake's our buddy. But it's, there's, it's very different between those two, even though they put more money into the goaltending. Uh, on that front, and Jake helped them get to the playoffs. Uh, this, this is as close as you get—a uh, sliver between the potential, uh, the, the talent between Robin Leonard and Mark Andre Fleury. And it, I don't know where it goes. I knew I knew Robin would get some opportunity of of some kind during this postseason. Uh, it's worked out to be very different, unexpected, and eventful, and intriguing hasn't it yeah it's been fun like this whole this whole playoff run pete deboer's moves the goaltenders it's been an absolutely fascinating ride chandler stevenson now with that drama uh and then there's one other spot where i think the golden knights can make a difference tonight when it comes to a victory i'll share that with you as we continue live from section 117 bordering on 118 nope at T-Mobile Arena, it's the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Hey, Hoser. This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Now back to Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Not quite yet, but getting close. The winner tonight can take a 3-2 series lead. And uh, going back to Montreal for Game 6 on Thursday. Darren Millard, Ryan Wallace uh, here at T-Mobile Arena. And there's one thing and one area where I think the Golden Knights have to take a step tonight. We talked goaltending. We talked Alex Tuck, Mark Stone, the power play, the first periods. A difference maker for the Golden Knights in the final three games, potentially, of this series against the Montreal Canadiens is the Misfits line. We saw some strong play, some long span, consistent play by the Misfit line. I think they can be better. Better than they've been for the last uh, couple of games. More impactful, uh, creating more chances. Uh, I, I think that there's a challenge being put forward to the Misfit line. With all the moving parts around this team and, and now getting back to normal, that threesome needs to have a bigger voice in what happens in the result. You know, when it comes to needing something from the Misfits in a big game, they find a way to, yes. deli to deliver. So um, I don't necessarily disagree with that. I think that you're looking at your entire top six, Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty, we've talked about that. If you get Chandler Stevenson back tonight, that certainly helps things. Uh, but the, the Misfits are included in that top six, mm -hmm. and, and though they have helped in terms of creating offense – 
they've got to finish in this game, I think, for the Golden Knights to win. So I'll put uh, Stone and Pacioretty, who are taking some heat and uh, have gone uh, into a flat spot. They need to be better. Chandler Stevenson's going to help that. Misfits line, follow it up. And if you can roll those three lines consistently and generate rollover shifts because you get some confidence and you follow it up and you get some momentum, then, boom, you got something going. And you might have uh, between the great domination territorially in game three, but add on to that with the result, you're in a really good position and you're one game away from a Stanley Cup final appearance for the second time in four years. Chapman, I'm sorry. We didn't get a time to uh, to really dive into catching up with Chapman. No, we'll give you maybe the next 20 seconds tomorrow. <laughs> okay. okay Is that all right? By the way, I, 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 I'm, I kept waiting for you to acknowledge my new drop. Hey, Hoser. What was it? Hey, Hoser. You can't hear it? I got another Bob and Doug McKenzie. Oh, I didn't hear it. What? Yeah. I didn't hear it either. Oh, that's strange. Yeah, neither one of us heard what, it. Was it like a dog whistle? No. Hey, Hoser. <laughs> No, he he meant like because we couldn't hear it. Oh it man, dog, that's no, what that's what he meant by that. It must be. I hope it's going over the air. Maybe maybe the <laughs> listeners hear it. I don't know what's going on. Uh, the pregame show with Ryan Walls coming up next, uh, live from T-Mobile Arena, ahead of Game Five in the Stanley Cup semifinal.